Chapter Eleven of Doom Castle. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Carolyn. Doom Castle by Neil Munro. Chapter Eleven: The Woman at the Window. Count Victor heard the woman's lamentation die away in the pit of the stair before he ceased to wonder at the sound and had fully realized the unpleasantness of his own incarceration. It was the cries of the outer assault that roused him from mere amazement to a comprehension of the dangers involved in his being thus penned in a cell and his enemies kept at bay by some wooden bars and a wooden head. He felt with questioning fingers along the walls, finding no crevice to suggest outer air, till he reached the window, and, alas, an escape from a window at that height seemed out of the question without some machinery at hand. "'I suspected the little clown's laughter,' said he to himself. "'The key of the mystery lies between him and this absurd baron, and I begin to guess at something of complicity on the part of Monsieur Bethune. A malediction on the whole tribe of mountaineers. The things like a play have seen far more improbable circumstances in a book. I am shot at in a country reputed to be well governed even to monotony, a sombre host puzzles, a far too frank domestic perplexes, magic flutes and midnight voices haunt this infernal hold, the conventional lady of the drama is kept in the background with great care, and just when I am on the point of meeting her, the perplexing servitor becomes my jailer but yes it is a play surely it is a play or else i am in bed in commercy suffering from one of old jeanne's heavy late suppers it is then that i must waken myself into the little room with the pink hangings he raised the point of the sword to prick his finger more in a humorous mood than with any real belief that it was all a dream and dropped it fast as he felt a gummy liquor clotting on the blade grand dieu he said softly i have perhaps pricked some one else to-night into this eternal nightmare and i cannot prick myself out of one the noise of the men outside rose louder a gleam of light waved upon the wall of the chamber something wan and elusive bewildering for a moment as if it were a ghost from the clamour he could distinguish sentences in a guttural tongue he turned to the window the counterpart of the one in his own bedroom but without a pane of glass in its narrow space again the one flag waved across the wall more plainly the cries of the robbers came up to him they had set a torch flaring on the scene it revealed the gloomy gable end of doom with a wild a menacing illumination deepening the blackness of the night beyond its influence giving life to shadows that danced upon rock and grass the light held by the man count victor had wounded now wrapped to his eyes in a plaid rose and fell touched sometimes on the mainland showing the bracken and the tree sometimes upon the sea to show the wave frothy from its quarrel with the fissured rock making it plain that doom was a ship indeed cast upon troubled waters cut off from the gentle world 
but little for the sea or for the shore had count victor any interest his eyes were all for the wild band who clamoured about the flambeau they wore such a costume as he had quarrelled with on his arrival they cried Sloy with something of a theatrical effect and out with the gentleman out with black andy's murderer they demanded in english he craned his head out at the window and watched the scene the tall man who had personally assailed him seemed to lead the band in all except their clamour working eagerly directing in undertones they had brought a ladder from the shore apparently provided for such an emergency and placed it against the wall with a view to an escalade a stream of steaming water shot down upon the first who ventured upon the rounds and he fell back with ludicrous whimperings compelled by the leader another ventured on the ladder and the better to watch his performance count victor leaned farther out at his window secure from observation in the darkness as he did so he saw for the first time that on his right hand there was a lighted window he could almost touch with his hand as he leaned over it flashed upon him that here was the woman's room and that on the deep moulding running underneath the windows he could at some little risk gain it probably to find its door open and thus gain the freedom mungo had so unexpectedly taken from him he crept out upon the ledge only then to realize the hazards of such a narrow footing it seemed as he stood with his hand yet grasping the sides of the window he sought to escape by that he could never retain his balance sufficiently to reach the other side in safety the greatest of his physical fears greater even than that of drowning which sometimes whelmed him in dreams and on ships was the dread of empty space a touch of vertigo seized him the enemy gathered round the torch beneath suddenly seemed elves puny impossible things far off and he almost slipped into their midst but he dragged back his senses we must all die he gasped but we need not be precipitate about the business and shut his eyes as he stood up and with feet upon the moulding stretched to gain grip of the other window something fell away below his right foot and almost plunged him into space with a terrific effort he saved himself from that fate and his senses grown of a sudden to miraculous acuteness heard the crumbled masonry he had released thud upon the patch of grass at the foot of the tower apprising the enemy of his attempt a wild commingling of commands and threats came up to him the night seemed something vast beyond all former estimates a swinging and giddy horror the single star that peered through the cloud took to airy dancing a phantom of the evening heavens again he might have fallen but the material more deadly world he was accustomed to manifested itself for his relief and his salvation through the night rang a pistol-shot and the ball struck against the wall but an inch or two from his head merci beaucoup he said aloud there is nothing like a pill and his grasp upon the sides of the illuminated window was quite strong and confident as he drew himself towards it he threw himself in upon the floor just in time to escape death from half a dozen bullets that rattled behind him safe within he looked around in wonder 
what he had come upon was not what he had expected was indeed so incongruous with the cell next door and the general poverty of the castle as a whole that it seemed unreal for here was a trim and tasteful boudoir lit by a silver lamp warmed by a charcoal fire and giving some suggestion of dainty womanhood by a palpable though delicate odour of rose leaves conserved in potpourri tapestry covered more than three-fourths of the wall swinging gently in the draught from the open window a harpist cord stood in a corner a couch that had apparently been occupied stood between the fireplace and the door and a score of evidences indicated gentility and taste annapla becomes more interesting he reflected but he spent no time in her boudoir he made to try the door it was locked nor did he wonder at it though in a cooler moment he might have done so hurriedly he glanced about the room for something to aid him to open the door but there was nothing to suit his purpose in his search his eye fell upon a miniature upon the mantel-shelf the work as he could tell by its technique and its frame of a french artist it was the presentment of a gentleman in the highland dress adorned as was the manner of some years back before the costume itself had become discredited with fripperies of the mode elsewhere a long scalloped waistcoat a deep ruffled collar the shoes buckled and the hair en queue the portrait of a man of dark complexion distinguished in some ways pleasant the essential lover of the story said count victor putting it down now i know my annapla is young and lovely we shall see we shall see he turned to the door to try its fastenings with his sword found the task of no great difficulty for the woodwork around the lock shared the common decay of doom and with the silver lamp to light his steps he made his way along the corridor and down the stairs it was a strange and romantic spectacle he made moving thus through the darkness the lamp swaying his shadow on the stairway as he descended and he could have asked for no more astonishment in the face of his jailer than he found in mungo's when that domestic met him at the stairfoot mungo was carrying hot water in a huge kettle he put down the vessel with a startled jolt that betrayed his fright god be about us can't ye near get me a stroke here oh i demand pardon said count victor ironically i forgot that a man of your age should not be taken by surprise my age repeated mungo with a tone of annoyance no say all for owd either at my age my grandfather was a surgeon in the army and married for the fourth time only half his valour seems to run in the blood said count victor then more sternly what did you mean by locking me up there mungo took up the kettle and placed it to the front of him with some intuition that a shield must be extemporized against the sword that the frenchman had menacing in his hand the action was so droll and futile that in spite of his indignation count victor had to smile and this assured the little domestic though he felt chagrin at the ridicule implied just a bit plan o my ain coont to keep you oot o trouble and i'm sure ye'll excuse the liberty a bonny like thing it would be if the maister came home and found the macfarlanes were oot in the randan and had picked ye oot o doom like a wilk oot o shell 
it wasna like as if ye were in uh, the ordinary garrison ye can ye were just a kin of visitor and it was i they were after said count victor which surely gave me some natural interest in defence ye were safer to bide where ye were and who ye got utter is mair than i can jaloose we hae scalded aff the rogues we had water and if they're to be capered off i'll hate to be uncle glay with the kettle as he said these words he saw apparently for the first time with a full understanding of its significance the lamp in count victor's hand his jaw fell he put down the kettle again helplessly and in trembling tones where did you get the lamp said he ah mon vieux cried count victor enjoying his bewilderment you should have locked the lady's door as well as mine art a poor warder not to think of the possibilities in two cells so close to each other cells cried mungo very much disturbed cells quahe looking chapfallen up the stairway as if for something there behind his escaped prisoner and now you will give me the opportunity of paying my respects to your no doubt adorable lady eh cried mungo incredulous a glow came to his face he showed the ghost of a mischievous smile is that way the land lies man you're a dour burkey said he but a wilful man maun hae his way and if naething less'll dare ye just ging up to your ain chamber and you'll find her ging the macfarlanes her punch wi nae sugar tilt the statement was largely an enigma to count victor but he understood enough to send him up the stairs with an alacrity that drove mungo in his rear into silent laughter yet the nearer he came to his door the slower grew his ascent at first he had thought but of the charming lady the vocalist and the recluse the baron's share in the dangerous mystery of doom made him less scrupulous than he might otherwise have been as to the punctilio of a domestic's introduction to one apparently kept out of his way for reasons best known to his hosts and he advanced to the encounter in a mood of the adventurer mungo in his rear beholding it in his jaunty step in the fingers that pulled and peaked the mustachio and drew forth a somewhat pleasing curl that looked well across the temple but a more sober mood overcame him before he had got to the top of the stairs the shouts of the besieging party outside had declined and finally died away the immediate excitement of the adventure which with mungo and the unknown lady he was prepared to share was gone he began to realize that there was something ludicrous in the incident that had kept him from making her acquaintance half an hour ago and reflected that she might well have some doubt of his courage and his chivalry even more perturbing was the sudden recollection of the amused laughter that had greeted his barefooted approach to doom through two or three inches of water and at the open door he hung back dubious step in it's your ain room cried mungo struggling with his kettle and for the lord's sake mind your manners and gie her a guilt impression it was the very counsel to make a montaillon bold he entered a woman was busy at the open window he stared in amazement and chagrin End of chapter eleven